Hello and welcome to Run the Table. I'm your host, Bryce Tinson. And today, we got a jam-packed show for you. This is probably going to be a long one. And uh, get settled in because you're going to enjoy it. First things first, I want to say um, my my you know condolences and you know whatever the word I'm looking for is to Christian Eriksen, the Denmark uh, national team soccer player who collapsed on the field of of the game against Finland. He is okay. Um, I I'm you know I'm just happy stuff like that. It's possible in sports, but you hate to see it happen. Obviously, it it sucks to see happen, and it was scary. Being honest, you know, looking watching that video of him just you know falling on on the field, it was scary. It was scary to watch, and it we're just everybody's just happy that he's okay, and hopefully he makes a full recovery and is able to get back out there and and help his team, uh, help Denmark, you know, make it to the uh, make it to the uh, you know. Uh, Olympics or, or God, my soccer knowledge is just so bad. I don't talk soccer for that specific reason, so I just don't know about it. Um, but I had to talk about this because you know he's he's one of the, I think he's one of Denmark's better players, if I'm not wrong. And and just you know it was a uh, it was one of those things where it, it would be a disservice to talk about or you know to not talk about it. Um, then I'm going to move to the NBA side. We got the NBA looking at creating a rule prohibiting prohibiting unnatural shot motions or shot forms. It's a terrible idea. I don't know what they're thinking. I understand why you want to make this rule because you got guys like James Harden, Trey Young, Luca, who are who are doing these weird weird like leg kicks and and fallaways to try and draw fouls. One, there doesn't need to be a rule. Just stop having refs call it like. It, you don't need to make a rule for like a leg kick. Just have the ref not call it, and then it won't happen. Because if you make this a rule, I saw someone on Twitter compare it to the NFL catch rule. How there's not strict guidelines. It's is it a catch or is it not a catch? That is, there's there's really no strict guidelines to determining this, and you have to make a decision like that. Split second, go make the decision, and then if you get it wrong. Or the the team thinks you got it wrong. Guess what? You're going to spend five minutes reviewing it. It's one of those things where it's like it's better to just not have the rule and let let the NBA refs sit there and just not call it. If a guy flops on a shot after a leg kick, just don't call anything. Because then eventually these guys are going to stop taking those shots if they're not getting any fouls on them. You're going to create another problem because you're trying to get rid of an, you're trying to get rid of one. And that's 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 exactly what the NFL did with the catch rule. They they wanted to make it so that everybody knew what a catch was, but in turn it just made it more confusing and we sit there and look at reviews of of the same exact play 20 times trying to figure out if it's a catch or not. So don't do this to yourself NBA. I'm warning you right now it's just going to be bad. Luka Doncic is in the news and not for the reasons I really want him to be, but Um, he is likely, it is reported that he's likely, uh, to sign the max contract extension this, this off season, staying with Dallas, but there's skepticism that he remains there long-term. I don't know exactly what that means. Well, I know exactly what that means. It was, it was leaked. It said it was leaked from the Dallas front office. I don't buy it. I think it's just some ploy to, to, you know, spread doubt that Luca wants to stay in Dallas. He seems like a guy 
that, you know, he needs help. Let's be honest. He needs help. The team around him isn't good enough to compete for a, a championship, but he seems like a guy like a Damian Lillard that wants to do it where he was drafted. He ha- he, he he gives off that vibe to me. He gives off that like kind of mentality where I'm going to do this, uh, on my own, quote-unquote, um, being loyal to this fan base, this team that picked me. Um, so I just I don't buy the, the, the rumors that he's – I think he's there for the long haul. I think he's probably going to spend most of, of his career there, if not all of his career. That's just, just, that's just how it seems to me. Um, then we got the PGA – or it's not the PGA. We got the U.S. Open uh, happening this weekend at Torrey Pines. It's the first time it's been there since 2008. Um, the Tiger Woods won that one on a broken leg. If you didn't know, um, but Phil Mickelson is looking to complete the Grand Slam. He only needs the U.S. Open. He's been a runner-up six times, which you know <laughs> Phil finds ways to lose all the time, and he just he—it's like he invents new invents new ways to lose. And I don't know why he does it, but but hopefully he can pull this one out. He's trying to break his own record of oldest oldest uh, golfer to ever win a major event. Um, if you didn't know, he won the uh, PGA Championship at, at 50 years old and however many days, because he turns 51 on Wednesday. So he turns 51 tomorrow. Who knows? Who knows what uh, what's in store? I, he's Right now, I think his odds are, yeah, he's plus 6,600. So Vegas doesn't really see him as a uh, favorite to win it, but it would be really cool if he could do it. Um, Breaking his record and completing the Grand Slam at 51 years old would be really impressive. Bryson versus Brooks is another big story. Or should I say Brooksy versus Brooks? Um, Bryson DeChambeau is is the defending champion of the U.S. Open. He won in 2020. Um, there weren't any fans there. And Brooks wasn't there either. So who knows, who knows what will happen this year. But the PGA should... If, if they really want to see some ratings... Because this is their first like real beef that they've had, you know, Bryson versus versus Brooks. This is this is like the beef that that it was like Pistons Bulls. It was one of those things, it, or or Lakers uh, Celtics. It's it's one of those things that that helps you know boost ratings. And if the PGA is smart, they will take advantage of this. They will pair them at some point, um, you know, even if it means that that <laughs> that um, they they kind of bend the rules. To, pe- to pair them together in one of the rounds. Um, you know what would be awesome is if on Sunday we get up Bryson and Brooks uh, group because they're the top two uh, spots on the leaderboard. That would be that would be one of the best best things to happen to TV in a while. Um, but they they don't like each other, so it's a great marketing opportunity for the PGA. Uh, John Rahm is the favorite to win, so John Rahm had a uh, interesting. I, I, that's the only way I can characterize it. Interesting uh, thing happened to him at the Memorial Tournament. He was up six strokes on Saturday. As he was walking off 18, he gets told, I think it was 18, he gets told that he tested positive for COVID, and he has to withdraw from the tournament. He's, to, he's disqualified. He has to withdraw, and he has to quarantine. He was up six strokes. He was 19 under, and he would have easily won. I don't like the way the PGA handled that. I feel like he should have been able to finish. He was, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about it logically here, he was with the caddy all weekend. He, I mean, if you, if you have him play alone on Sunday, 
either early or late, who is he affecting? Like, if it, if it's literally only his caddy, who he's already been with, who is he affecting? He's touching all of his clubs, all of his balls. As long as he doesn't touch the pin, that's really the only thing you have to worry about. But, you know, I, but that's beside the point. He's the favorite to win. He's plus, uh, plus 1,000. Um, and then Bryson, uh, Dustin Johnson, and Xander Shoffley are second at 1,400. Uh, Brooks and Jordan Spieth are plus 1,800. Uh, and then Justin Thomas, I think, was plus 2,000 or plus 2,200. I actually think I actually like him to win. I think that we haven't heard from Justin Thomas in a while, and I think it's time or it's it's around that time that he's going to break through and, and and put his name back on the map. Um, but yeah, so those are my thoughts on on the U.S. Open. Uh, I think it'll be a good one. And next, we're going to get into some NBA playoff talk. And boy, do I have some some good stuff for you there. All right, so the NBA is actually pretty good right now. They've had we've had. The one sweep, the Suns, the Suns sweeping uh, the Nuggets. But all series right now, besides that one, the other three are knotted up at 2-2. I didn't think we were going to get this, if I'm being honest. I thought there was going to be blowouts. I thought specifically the Sixers-Hawks series. So why don't we start with that? Sixers-Hawks split uh, split games three and four in Atlanta. So they split in Philly, and they split in Atlanta. It's 2-2 right now. The 76ers won game three easily. They shot 58% from the field. It's hard to lose a game when you shoot that well. It's, it, I mean, it is. It's just <laughs> um, Joel Embiid had, a, had an okay game. I mean, he, they, scored, they did like a scoring by committee type thing. Joel Embiid had 27. Tobias Harris had 22. And then they had four other guys, I think, in double digits. So that was, I mean, if you can get that at any game, you'll, you'll be in a good spot to win. Um, the Hawks... They didn't shoot the ball great in game three, um, but game four, uh, game four, they actually did pretty good. So uh, all credit to them. Um, they won the game. They shot like crap. I don't, I don't know how. Um, Trey Young has been, has been missing, I guess you would say. Ben Simmons has done a great job because tr- since game one, Trey Young hasn't gone over 30. He's been 28-25, or 28-28-25, I think. I think that's been his his three-point totals from the past three games. But that was, I mean, Trey Young, I, I don't think he had a game in the first series, in the five games in the first series, that he didn't go over 30. And now he's done, in three straight games, he hasn't. So the, the real story of this game is the 12 turnovers that Philly had. Um, compared to the four that Atlanta had, and the fact that Joel Embiid went over twelve in the second half. This is the best player on Philadelphia, and I said in order for them to win, it would have to be have to be because of Joel Embiid. So the Hawks shot thirty six and a half percent from the field and still won this game. How how does that happen? It was Philadelphia's game to lose, and boy did they lose it. I I. I was watching down the stretch, and I was it was just brutal to watch. They were up by four at one point, the Sixers were, and then the Hawks hit a three. I think it was a John Collins in the corner three to, to bring it within one, and then the Sixers scored two points after that. And it was just, it was hard to watch. Um, but yeah, as I said, Trey Young, he, he got, he had 25. So, so Ben Simmons is doing a pretty good job. The defense 
of Atlanta or not Atlanta 70 Philadelphia is doing a pretty good job but Bogdan Bogdanovich or Bogdan um is actually or he's not actually he's he's playing really well right now he scored 22 uh, last night and they got some they got some scoring from from the other starters um but I mean when you're running a six-man rotation it's or seven-man really it's like it's one of those things where it's like how 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 much fatigue is there going to be at the end of the game? And they actually look like they're going to like they're running really well at the end of the game. So I don't think it's that much of an issue, but it's something to watch. Is that their starters got a lot of miles on them? Um, but Joel Embiid he he played awful. He scored seventeen points in in the game, and they were all in the first half. He was abysmal. Well, they weren't all in the first half because he had some free throws in the in the um, in the fourth, but. God, he was bad. He was so bad in the second half. That's his lowest point total of the playoffs so far. It's real bad. You know, the Hawks did what they needed to do to win that game. They hit the big shots down the stretch. And I think I think the I think the 76ers win this series, but this is a I would listen. I was expecting it to go four games, if I'm being honest. And I thought it was going to be the 76ers are sweeping the Hawks. Hawks took game one, and I was like, okay, it'll be it'll be a gentleman, gentleman sweep. We'll do it in five. And then the Hawks win game four. I just don't I don't know what to think about this series anymore. I, I'm still sticking with the 76ers, but I just what what is going on? Is is Doc Real Doc Rivers, God, why am I having so much trouble? Is Doc Rivers really str- like that bad? Like, is he a curse or something? Like in LA, what they couldn't make it past the the second round, and now the Sixers are struggling. I just something up there. There's something up there, and it needs to be fixed because this is not good. Next up, we got the Suns. They pull the sweep, and it's real. You know, and thanks in part to Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I mean, game three, they were on fire. They shot fifty three percent from the field. Chris Paul had uh, twenty eight points, or no, he had twenty seven with eight assists. Devin Booker had 28 points. Um, game four, Chris Paul went for 37. Devin Booker went for 34. And they shot 50% again. So that's that's the last two games that they shot over 50%. I didn't look back at games two uh, and one, but you know they're, they're shooting the ball really efficiently right now, and that, that is scary for, for every other team. Because if if a team's shooting over fifty percent consistently, you're screwed, and especially because they're doing it, it's not just one player; they're doing it as a team. You got to watch out for them. Um, but Jokic in Game Three was unbelievable. He was trying to prove, make his MVP case. You know, prove that he actually deserved to win it. Went for thirty-two, ten assists, and twenty boards. That's a game and a half right there. Um, he didn't get much scoring from from anybody else. Uh, there was a little bit here and there, but you know, obviously not enough to win. And without Jamal Murray, it, I think if the Nuggets had Jamal Murray, this is a different series. But they just Jokic wasn't able to do it on his own, and MPJ, who is supposed to be their second best player, kind of wasn't there the entire series. So it's one of those things where you got to live with it. It was an injury that hampered your team's chances, but hopefully next year you're healthy. Because they're going to be good again. I mean, you just got to expect the Nuggets to be one of those teams to be good. Um, game four was stupid, though. <laughs> and game four was stupid for a specific reason. Um, it's a it's an elimination game, and the refs 
blatantly took the outcome of the game into their hands because at that point, it was still close. So they ejected Nikola Jokic, who I don't, I don't know why. A fl- they called a flagrant two on him when all I saw was maybe a technical foul. Maybe a technical foul. I didn't see any malicious att- intent there. I think it didn't even look like he hit campaign's face. It looked like he hit the ball. It was an aggressive a- attempt, but I don't think he meant to hit campaign. Even if I don't even know if he did. Like it didn't look like it. But he did apologize after, so he probably did. But the refs call a flagrant two and then eject him. I just I don't know what what the fascination is with NBA refs and, and wanting their their name to be in the lights or, or their, their face to be on the screen. Like, why are you making these calls? Let the game play out the way it's supposed to. Don't be doing this crap. Now, did they change the series? No, the Suns were going to win. Did they change game four? Absolutely. Absolutely, they changed game four. Do the Nuggets win? I don't, I don't know if the Nuggets win if Nikola plays. But it was closer than most of the other games were. So who knows? Who knows what would have happened if they actually, you know, didn't make a stupid decision like that. But oh, we live and we learn. Um, <laughs> what I found the most funny about that uh, whole whole situation is that Devin Booker tried to get in the face of Jokic after after the play. And you could tell that Jokic wanted none of it. Jokic has seen some shit because he was stone cold and it was it was one of those things like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do about this? And Devin Booker, it, he, you know, because Jokic has got the height too. Um, Devin Booker just kind of like turned around and walked away. He was being separated, yes, but you could tell that you could tell that he didn't want any of it from Jokic. Jokic has seen seen some shit, and uh, let me tell you, he, he is a scary dude. I mean, have you seen his brothers after at the MVP ceremony? Um, his his brothers were there, and they are some badass dudes. Let me tell you, they got tattoos. They look like they're uh, they're in the mob somewhere. <laughs> they look like they got connections. So, um. I just I would I would be careful, Devin. Um, next time you want to pick a fight with someone, he may look like a doughboy, but trust me, he probably isn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Chris Paul, Devin Booker on fire, and then you got DeAndre Ayton in the paint doing his thing. Then this is the series I really want to talk about. Okay, we got the Brooklyn Nets going up against the Milwaukee Bucks, and this game is tied at two. The Bucs looked dead in the water after game two. They played really bad in game three, but still got the win. And then game four, oh, geez. Sorry about that. Game four, Kyrie goes down. And then the Bucs take advantage of it and win game, win game four. Yeah, so Kyrie goes down with an with a ankle sprain. I didn't see the play. I didn't see the play in question. But I have heard that people think Giannis is dirty. Giannis is probably the least dirty player in the league. Although he did try to kill James Harden. So maybe he's not. He did. He threw a ball at his head. Like rocket. So maybe, maybe not. But I don't think, I don't think there was any malicious intent by it. Um, you know, not, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen it, like I said, but just knowing the kind of personality Giannis is, it doesn't seem like he would, he would intentionally do something like that. But 
KD, man, he only had 28 points. I know it's only 28 points, but he's KD. He could go for 40 any night. Um, he's got to do it by himself now. He doesn't have James Harden. He doesn't have Kyrie Irving. And who knows how long they'll be out. We we know that James Harden and both, we know both of them are out for game five. So will KD be able to do it by himself? He hasn't had to do it yet in his career. In OKC, he had Russell and, and James before James left, but then he had Westbrook. Then he went to the Warriors, who had, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond. And he goes to Brooklyn, and in Series 1, they had Harden and Kyrie. Now he doesn't have any of them. Who knows? I mean, he hasn't had to do it by himself before. You know, some of these other superstars have, but he hasn't, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> but I do think the Bucks are going to win Game 5. And I think that puts them in a really good spot because they'll have to go to Brooklyn to do it. I think that puts them in a good spot because they've played better than the Nets have in Milwaukee. So, I mean, going back to the regular season, like I said before the series started, each each home team or each game the home team has won. And the trend has continued. So, I think this is where the trend stops, though, because Giannis is is going to take advantage of an absence of another superstar on the Nets and PJ Tucker has been, I he's been probably the best, the X factor I would say for the Bucks in the past two games. Game four, when guarded by PJ Tucker, KD was twenty five percent from the field with nine points. Yeah, PJ Tucker shut him down. Don't I, I saw people on Twitter being like, oh, KD scored 28 points. Well, yeah, but P.J. Tucker wasn't guarding him for all 28 points. When guarded, when guarded by P.J. Tucker, when P.J. Tucker is the primary defender on KD, nine points, 25% field goal percentage. That is the kind of defense that P.J. Tucker plays. Now, I'm not a huge fan of P.J. Tucker. I think he's kind of an asshole. But you got to respect his hustle and his grind. He knows his role on the team, and he does it really, really well. And, you know, it, it, it really is one of those things where it's like, is P.J. Tucker going to be the one to decide the series? Like, we always talk about the superstars deciding the series. KD, Giannis, Kyrie, James Harden. You know, Chris Middleton, I know, is not a superstar, but he's, he's what the Bucks have. But is it really going to be P.J. Tucker and his defense that decides this series? Absolutely. If he can continue to do what he did in Game 4 on KD when KD's really the only scoring option, only primary scoring option for Brooklyn, I think I think if it was a Finals MVP, I think you'd give it to P.J. Tucker. Because you, you don't win Game 4 without P.J. Tucker guarding KD. You're not going to win Game 5 without him doing the same. If KD gets hot, watch out. Giannis might be able to cancel out KD's points, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it all on Giannis because he'll probably my guess is KD goes for 42, 43 in game five. So Giannis is probably gonna get 36. So that means you gotta you gotta find seven more points. Unless PJ Tucker. This is where PJ Tucker comes in. If PJ Tucker can hold KD to 34 points, I trust the Bucks supporting cast to score more points than the net supporting cast. So all you have to do is keep KD under the amount of points scored that Giannis has. 
And that's where P.J. Tucker comes in. So, and bright on the bright side, very good news for the Bucks. They shot over 30% from three for the first time this series. Got 34% in game four, which was much needed because, boy, was it bad. It was getting to the point where it was like, how much longer can this possibly go on? But they did it, and hopefully they get back to normal where they're shooting 39%. Because, you know, I don't want to see a Bucks team lose when they just couldn't find their rhythm. That that doesn't seem like... I, I, know, I know you play the game, but that just doesn't seem fair to me. But it, even though it is fair, it just is like one of those things where like, well, the Bucks shot awful even while they were open. But, you know, you, you, you play basketball for that very reason. And then we go to the Jazz uh, Clippers series. I'm telling you, I, I knew this was going to happen. I said the Clippers were going to win at the start of the series. The Jazz go up 2-0. I changed my pick. Like, okay, no, the Jazz are going to win. The Clippers goddamn did it again. They did it again. And I hate them for it. They now tie the series up at 2, and they have looked dominant over the Jazz. The Jazz have looked lost, frankly. I thought they were going to go into Staples and absolutely dominate. But the Clippers said absolutely not. They scored 132 points in game three and then 118 in game four and shot the ball out of this world. They shot the lights out of the gym. They shot over 50% from three in game three. And then in game four, they shot 40%. So... Not only was game three just astronomical, but game four was like the Bucks were the be- were one of the better three point shooting teams in the league this year, and the Clippers just at thirty nine percent, and the Clippers just shot 40 percent in the game. So it's it's really tough to win games when the other team is shooting the ball that well. But if you go and look at most of their shots, is they're wide open. It's like the Jazz don't even want to play defense on them. So you gotta you gotta fix something, and you have to sh- hit your shots. The Jazz have shot terrible from the field, but their three point percentage has actually been really good. They shot, I mean, you know, they shot forty four percent in Game Three, and then forty per- they shot the same percentage as the Clippers in Game Four from three. They just haven't been able to hit the little gimmies in the in the paint. That's where that's where the series is taking a turn. Is that the Clippers are dominating on the defensive side? They're making it hard, making it insanely hard for the for the Jazz to get easy shots in the middle. And Kawhi is back. He went for thirty four and thirty one in respective games after not even cracking twenty five in the first two. Maybe he's the X factor. Maybe they need him to play good in order for them to be good. I didn't think they. I didn't think he had to play out of this world in order for them to win. But maybe I was wrong. I, you know, maybe I didn't give the Jazz enough credit. But Paul George, this has been the resurgence of Paul George series. He is he is back to PG thirteen from Indiana. That's what it feels like. He might not be as explosive as he was back then, but he just put up thirty one yesterday. He put up thirty one points, and he's I think he's averaging like twenty eight in this series so far. But you can't talk about this game without talking about Marcus Morris. 22 points in the first half. I swear to God, he looked like the best offensive player I'd ever seen. He was hitting shots left and right. I, I was like, what in the world? Where is this Where is this coming from, Marcus? 
And I was listening. I was listening to the Clippers broadcast on the radio, and their color guy said that his his like best performances have come when Markeith, his twin brother, have been at the game. So I don't know. Do with that what you will, but watch out <laughs> if Markeith is at one of the games. It looks like Marcus is going to go off. But they've been, you know, if the Clippers can continue to shoot like this, they're going to win the series. I hate to flip my pick again, but I the Clippers just right now they look like the better team. This is what I was kind of thinking was going to happen earlier in the series. It took them two games again, and I don't know why it takes them two games, but it does. We'll see what happens the rest of the series, but I do think that I do think that the Clippers are the better team right now. And the Jazz, if you're the Jazz or a Jazz fan, watching the first quarter of Game Four had to be one of the hardest things you've ever done because that was abysmal to watch. I do not know how you did it. I, I, it's like, it's like, oh my god, another miss, another one. Jesus, what is going on? So, uh, I, I feel for you. I hope, I hope you're okay today. It was, a, it was a tough game. But they did they did make a comeback at the end there. They won the second half. So that's that's the positive is that the Jazz won the second half. They didn't play great in the first half. They played awful in the first half. The, go, losing a quarter by 17 points is going to create an insurmountable hole for you. But you won the second half. So take that, go to the game five, back home, and, and use it as momentum. That's what you got to do. Next, we're going to get into the NHL playoffs. And I'm shocked, just absolutely shocked. We're talking some hockey now. I don't expect this segment to be too long. There's only been two games since I last uh, since my last episode. But wow, <laughs> am I shocked at what happened in Game One of the Islanders Lightning series? Now, if you remember, I said the Lightning are far and away the better team and are going to easily win this series. They still might. They still might. It was only game one, but they lost. I didn't expect them to lose game one. They're at home and they're the better team. Maybe it was because I I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It looked like it looked like they were they were at not the better. It looked like the Islanders were the better team. If I'm being honest with you, but I they're, I know they're not like we we all know they're not, but it they looked like it. It was one of those things where it's like, it was like it was really like um, the magic. I keep I keep referencing 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 this series um, when they played the Raptors or the Bucks and they took Game One and then got swept the rest of the series and it wasn't even close because. We know they're not the better team, but they come out with this kind of performance that we weren't expecting. And that's what the Islanders did. They won 2-1, to one and they held the Lightning shot, or scoreless. I don't know what, gosh. Um, they held the Lightning scoreless until the final minute of play. That's, I mean, when the, with, with the Lightning offense that can put up points the way they can, like, I mean... It's surprising, is it not? Um, Andre Vasilevsky, you know, he played, a, he played a great game again, like he usually does, but he just couldn't do it. Because, I mean, he couldn't get the win because the, the offense, they looked, I mean, they had 31 shots on goal. They had 31 opportunities, and they only capitalized on one. 
at the very end of the game when it was all but over. So I, you know, as a goalie that that you play a really good game and it's something like that. I mean, you got to give it up. You got to give it up to Islanders. Um, Semyon Varlamov played a better game. I mean, he did. It, it, you know, they they both they both had 30, 31 shots, and Vasilevsky just he let one more go in. You know, Varlamov had a out of this world game. I think the I think the Lightning will bounce back. Um, but you gotta you gotta capitalize on those opportunities. You can't just you can't just take shots on goal and and hope they go. And you gotta you gotta take better shots if that's the issue. Or or you, I mean, you just gotta set yourself up for better opportunity. Maybe you take less shots, but they're they're higher oppor- higher chance goals. So I I don't know. I get into the other game, the Golden Knights. Went easily four to one. Carey Price had a rough night, but you know I expected this to happen. This is, I mean, this is kind of what what I thought the Lightning Islanders series was going to be like. We know the Golden Knights are, are a million times better than the Canadians. I don't know if that's too much, but Mark Andre Mark Andre Fleury had another great game, only allowing one goal. The defense is playing really well, and they're scoring which is something that the um, Lightning weren't able to do. They, they were able to score. so And they got, they got points from all over the place. They, they, were, they were sharing the puck. They were getting good looks. And that's what happens, you know? So that's really all I had for, for hockey. It's one of those, I mean, we're in the conference finals. There's only two games, and there's only so much you can talk about when there's been one game each. So moving on, we're going to talk about some NA, or not NHL. We just did. We're going to talk about some NFL news. Uh, you know, it might not be the most exciting, but it's the offseason. Some stuff is happening, so we'll get into that next. All right, NFL news. It's mini camp season, mandatory mini camps. You know, it's, it's not the most exciting, but some stuff is, is happening that's important. Um, Vikings signed Daniil Hunter, which they absolutely needed to do. That team is just so shot. So shot in terms of a pass rush, they <laughs> so bad. So they needed they needed to keep him, and they finally made him happy. The issue is is that if they decide to keep him next year, they're gonna have to pay him twenty million, which is a hefty price tag. But he's one of the premier pass rushers in the league, and he's young. So I would eat it. I would eat the money. But they keep him happy. They have him on the team for next year. They did good. Aaron Rodgers is apparently a complicated guy, according to Packers president and CEO, but I don't think it means anything. I think it's a bunch of BS. It's just, it's more Aaron Rodgers news. He is a complicated guy, if we're being honest. Like, just look at his personal life. He is a complicated guy. Other than the fact that we know he loves Jeopardy. That we know is for sure. Other, I mean, when what does he really want now? Because he's come out and said that he doesn't have an issue with Brian Gutenkunst. So who, who really is is the per? It's got to be Mark Murphy, right? It's got to be, because who else is there? If he doesn't have an issue with Lafleur or Jordan Love or Gutenkunst, then it's got to be Mark Murphy. It's got to be, and so I just think it's. I just think this is adding fuel to the fire. I don't think it's not news, but 
it's been going around, and it's Aaron Rodgers' talk because he's still not there. He's going to keep getting fined. He's going to keep paying money, but he doesn't care. I don't know what the issue is, but he is a complicated guy because we don't really know what the, what's going on here. Then the 49ers actually, keeping it with Aaron Rodgers, actually considered trading for Aaron Rodgers, which we kind of knew was going to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know the story I was reading. I don't know how far he they, they got into talks with it, but... It, it just seems like, you know, just a random statement that that's kind of like an off. It's it's an off-season piece of news. There's not much to it. It just happened. What I found really interesting is that Kyle Shanahan said that Trey, Trey Lance could start week one. He didn't say that he would. He said right now Jimmy's the starter. But if, if Trey is ready to compete in week one, he's ready to compete, and he'll get the starting nod. I thought that was interesting because... I thought that Trey Lance was probably the biggest project of any of the first-round quarterbacks, and by a long shot, too. I didn't think it was... um, I think it was very close. I thought Trey Lance, that his floor right now is probably the lowest, um, but his ceiling is so high. So you take that chance. And I thought that the 49ers were the perfect team because they they have Jimmy. They don't need to start him this year. But if Shanahan thinks he's ready to play, then, you know... What do I know? Because Shanahan is is a much better offensive-minded person than I am. So I just thought that was interesting because, because of the situation that they have. But, you know, if you look into this quote, it's really if he's ready to play, he's ready to play. And I agree. If Trey Lance, if, if Trey Lance is, if they view Trey Lance as the starter, then he should be the starter. We'll see if that translates. But I don't think it, I just think it's off-season news. Now we got someone who... If I'm being honest, I don't like very much. He's our loser of the week. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I don't like him very much. First, he went to Michigan State. Um, and then he went to he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and then was a diva. So he called up Andy Reid for some reason that nobody knows other than himself. He said that Andy Reid said something to him and he won't ever. He would rather retire than play for Andy Reid ever again. You know, you had players come to his defense. Tyron Matthew said that, you know, these guys will blame anybody. That's why I know I'm built different. And Andy Reid is one of the most lovable guys, not just coaches, but guys in the league. Like his personality is so bubbly and and, and just exuberant. He's awesome. So for Le'Veon Bell to, you know, pull this kind of crap on Instagram, like what the heck, man? What the hell? What is wrong with you? First, first you're going to say that you don't want to play for Pittsburgh because they're not paying you enough money. They offer you 70 mil, and then you go and take a $65 million deal to play for the Jets and Adam Gase, really? You're going to play for Adam Gase instead of Mike Tomlin? Okay, bud. Okay. And then you suck. You absolutely fall off a freaking cliff like a loser, and then you expect you, you just want to stay in the news. That's really what it is. You want to be in the news because you're you're not being talked about enough. You're just being an attention whore. God, I do not like Le'Veon Bell at all. In good news for the Jets, though, Jamison Crowder stays in New York. Joe Douglas, really good signing, really good signing to keep him around. He's probably their fourth their fourth receiver on the depth chart, but he's a goddamn good receiver. He's a if he's your number four, you're in a really good position. You're in a really good spot. 
They're doing their best to surround Zach Wilson with talent, and I applaud them for it. They finally got rid of Adam Gase, which they should have done a while ago, but they did it, and I really like the direction they're going. I don't know if they'll be that good this year, but watch out for the future. Once they get their feet under them, they're going to be a good team. Joe Douglas is doing everything right. Stephon Gilmore might be on the might be on the move. And it's really because it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like he's not he's not showing up to minicamp, but you don't really know why, because it's Bill Belichick and he's not going to tell you. But we do know that Bill is one of those one of those coaches. He's really the only coach that is going to move on from someone too early because he would rather not get you know, he would rather not be stuck with them. Um, so, yeah, he'd, he'd rather not be stuck with them. He, so we get rid of him early. He did it with Chandler Jones. That's really the only one he's been wrong on uh, is Chandler Jones. But everywhere else, he, 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 does it, he does it at the right time. The reason I think it might be because Stephon Gilmore, is, his salary right now is the 24th highest in terms of corners. He has the highest cap number. Um, of, of corners in the league, but he's only getting 24, 24th ranked corner money when he, he is a top 10 corner. Although the corner position is weird because it fluctuates so much between, between year to year, between who's the best. Like Gilmore in 2019 was locked down. He was, he was the best corner in the league. One of the best defenders in the league. Then 2020, he was pretty hit or miss. So, if you can get a guy, I don't think Gilmore is that guy anymore that can that his 2019 self, but I think he's a serviceable guy. I don't know if I don't know if I said he's a top 10 uh cornerback. So, yeah. I I don't think he's like a Trey White or or a Jalen Ramsey, but he's going to be good. Like he's he's still good. I just don't know if it's worth it to pay him more money for for a couple more seasons. Like I just I don't know. I feel like I feel like Bill will be able to find somebody else or scheme around it if they don't have him. Jalen Ramsey is one of those guys that's trying to recruit him to come to LA, even though you really can't. It's a trade, so you you can't really do much about that. Um, you'd have to trade him. And then in other Patriots news, the last piece of information, the new last piece of news, which is so stupid. I don't know why I'm talking about it, but Mac Jones is making the rounds because there was a clip that surfaced out of minicamp of Cam Newton airmailing two throws and then Mac Jones hitting those exact same throws. I don't know why we're talking about this. It's a literally minicamp. Please find something else to do. It's not... Like, are we really this bored? Are we really this bored that this is what we're talking about? Come on. Come on, find something else to talk about. But that'll do it for the show. It wasn't as long as I thought, but I, I did cover a lot more sports, and I even did some soccer, which wasn't really expecting to do. Um, I did a terrible job, and I know that. I will. I will take. I'll take full blame for that. But you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to become a little more refined. But thank you guys for watching. I'll catch you on the flip. Hope you enjoyed. See you.